hey, thank you so much for pressing play. My name is Ryan O'Neill, and uh, this is the Sleeping at Last podcast. And I love getting to make these. It is such an honor to get to share the stories, the the details that go into each of my songs. And uh, it just means a whole lot to me that you are curious and would even listen to me drone on for <laughs> a little while in each of these episodes. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And um, I'm looking forward to sharing a new song with you today. The song we're going to talk about today is called Wave After Wave, and it is now available everywhere, and I'm really, really excited about that. As I mentioned in the last episode, this song belongs to a new small collection of songs called Mother, which are releasing one at a time between now and Mother's Day. These songs are, are my way of processing the recent loss of my mom. Um, and as I mentioned before, I, I tried over this last year to return to writing songs for my Atlas project, my, my primary project and was just feeling entirely unable to focus on those themes. I just couldn't get anywhere. It was deeply frustrating because I really believed that I could channel some of this heartbreak that I was feeling into into those songs. Um, But I just couldn't find any traction. And unlike typical writer's block, which I'm very familiar with, I actually was able to write and that felt so good and, and comforting. And, and But each song that I kind of followed along down the path just wasn't a thematic fit for Atlas Three, And so I would then set that song aside and then try it again on a different song. Um, and the same story kept happening over and over. And suddenly it became really obvious that I needed to write these songs in order to process the loss of my mom before carrying on and, and writing Atlas Three. So that's what these songs are, a small collection called Mother in honor of my mom, her beautiful life, the the painful grief that I am now becoming familiar with in her absence, and, and just the heaviness of being a person. This song, Wave After Wave, is the second release in this collection, and it dives into, no, no pun intended, <laughs> um, some specific anxieties that have entered my, my body and my mind um, since my mom passed. So before I tell you all about it and what I was thinking, all that went into it, the instrumentation, the details, um, let's go ahead and listen to it. Here is Wave After Wave. What if is a waste of precious time?
As I mentioned earlier about how I tried to write Atlas songs and then just couldn't couldn't find a way through yet, well, this song is actually an example of me shifting my gears away from Atlas for a minute early on and uh, and trying to write an Atom instead, one of my other projects. Which, if you are unfamiliar, uh, my Atoms project, A-T-O-M-S, uh, is a series of, of tiny music inspired by tiny and beautiful moments. Basically, I film something with my iPhone, something really small, something that I find beautiful, and then I try to write like a miniature score to it. And I love this practice. It is one of my favorite things to do. It's, it's, it's a creative practice. It's a meditative practice. And so whenever I get stuck on, on writing a lyric or any of that kind of stuff, I often will return to writing a, a little atom. And that has usually been, so far in the last couple of years, really helpful. And so when I was stuck trying to return to my Atlas project, I, I decided to try to write an atom instead. And I was able to write something and I, I was really, really excited about it. And I was about to finalize it and release it. And uh, I showed my wife and and she made just some small offhanded comment like, are you sure that that's an atom? And uh, I had this weird feeling that she was right. And I, I even had some vocal melodies in my head that I chose not to record since my atoms are generally instrumental. And so I concluded that, yeah, this should be a song. And so I set it aside and was actually pretty bummed out about that because uh, it just felt like another failed attempt at trying to do what I set out to do. I just couldn't finish anything. And it was just another way that grief just felt really suffocating. And at that point, I, I hadn't yet figured out that these songs were were my way of processing and examining my my grief and that they all needed to happen separate from any of my projects. Because honestly, I, I process all of my life through my music. Um, but because this loss in particular is so new, I hadn't yet realized that these songs that kept pushing their way through me 
were necessary and needed to be their own thing, which I'm grateful to realize that now. Um, so I, I'm happy that this song didn't come out as an Adam. And oddly enough, the story applies actually to a couple of these mother songs. They they initially started as uh, my attempt at writing an Adam. Weirdly, the title Adam Eight was like for like four or five different attempts and they each turned into a song. Um, and so I've got a bunch of files on my hard drive that are called Adam eight, Adam eight again, Adam eight for real this time. <laughs> it was, it was all getting really, really obnoxious, but I was actually able to finally, um, write the, the actual Adam eight and then Adam nine continuing that series. And each of those songs felt like Adam. So, so when I finished them, I had this feeling like, yep, that, that is meant to be an Adam. Anyway, I, I'm just so glad that this song became what it became, um, another necessary part of my grieving. I wrote the lyrics to Wave After Wave around the idea of the ship of Theseus. Uh, it's also called the, the Theseus Paradox. And, and somehow I, I had never come across this question or, or paradox until pretty recently. And, and weirdly, I don't think I've been able to stop thinking about it. If you're unfamiliar with it, all right, bear with me. Imagine a ship. Over time, after countless waves crash against it, uh, different pieces of that ship begin to age or, or get damaged and, and require a replacement. So the question is, if eventually you replace every single part of that ship one by one until none of the original parts remain, is it still the same ship? And if not, at what point exactly does it become an entirely different ship? I completely love this question, and something about it has, has helped me reframe how I see myself and who I am in the aftermath of losing my mom. One of the more unique contours of, of grieving the loss of my mom has been this feeling that along with losing someone I deeply, deeply love, um, I also feel like I lost parts of who I am. Um, her death felt like a, a death of self in a way. Um, and I remember early on in the in the grieving process when um, I realized that with her, my my childhood was was finished. Um, and my my kids will often ask me tons of questions about myself or when I was younger, and I would routinely ask all these questions to my mom, um, and she remembered every single silly, tiny detail of my life. And yeah, it, it hurts so much to admit that I don't have that privilege anymore. So those memories of who I was, which I believe also paint a picture of who I am now, are are gone. And um, it's really, really disorienting. Uh, a friend of mine recently shared that her husband had lost his mother and would call her the keeper of his memories. And that was another part of, of his grieving experience as well. And that's exactly it. My, my mom was the keeper of my memories. And, and I kind of wonder if because she was so good at keeping vivid and clear record of, of my life, um, if that allowed me to be more relaxed and free with my own memory keeping. And now as a near 40-year-old, I have pretty poor memory retention, and it, it sucks. So as I was writing this song, I was, I was kind of asking myself the, the ship of Theseus question. If parts of me one by one get lost or break and get replaced, am, am I still the same person? And if not, at, at what point am I an entirely different person? And this line of thinking led me down um, kind of a, a fun internet water slide where I read that in our lifetime, we, we shed an average of half of our own body weight and skin. Half. That's totally insane. And, uh, and our cells are renewing constantly. Um, and I read that in certain cells in some parts of our organs and systems in our body, 
are totally replaced in a matter of months, and then others remain pretty much the exact same they, they were on the day that we were born. And then I read that the body's skeleton forms and grows um, to its adult size in a process called modeling. And uh, then it completely regenerates or remodels itself about every 10 years. That's wild. So I, I had no idea that was happening in my body where it is removing old pieces of bone and replacing it with new, fresh bone tissue. We are literally the ship of Theseus. And somehow after so much of us get broken or renewed or replaced, we are still ourselves. And I found some kind of comfort in this. And in in writing this song, I I came to this kind of both and conclusion. Losing my mom is a, a death to self. There are massive parts of who I am that have died with her. And yet I am still entirely myself. This song was also born out of noticing that since my mom passed, my internal alarm system or the smoke detector inside me is just completely jacked and way oversensitive. The the best way that I can explain this is that the, the volume knob on every single anxiety or worry or fear or phobia that I've had in my life has just been turned way up, like, like turned up to 11. And I believe that's a result of the trauma surrounding my mom's death. With, without sharing too much detail, she died after weeks of significant pain She died of cancer that was undetected and everything just went really, really fast. And I still don't obviously have the words for it yet, but I I do know that witnessing all of that has certainly activated some very, very deep worry in me that I've been working through in therapy and just in general. Um, And in the next episode about a song called Some Kind of Heaven, I'll share a bit about my experience with that and how it's all impacted my life, my my body, my nervous system. But for this song, I was trying to write some answers into the countless new like what ifs that I've been asking myself constantly. Examples of that are like seeing my kids play and have fun. I'm only able to worry about them tripping and hurting themselves. What if they get hurt? What if there's a car accident? What if the storm coming through destroys our home? What if I'm seriously sick? And so on. And those are the the less strange ones. In in other words, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, uh, I've leaned real, real deep into the type six's shadow. I'm a type nine myself, but I've never related more to the concerns of, of the type six. And anyway, so I've just been really tired of the what ifs that I've been asking myself. So the first lines were written as a reminder that the what ifs are a waste of precious time, as the lyric in the song says plainly. I can make it make sense, but my body decides. That lyric is about another aspect of my grief that has been unsettling. More often than I'd like, um, it, it sort of feels like my body and my mind are on entirely different pages. So for portions of the year, I've had my head in a pretty decent place, making sense of the world around me and and having a, a relatively clear vision of my path forward. And then my body will will send me these signals that it is not okay. And kind of almost the, the inverse of the alarm system malfunctions that I was just talking about. I'll feel at ease in my mind, but then my body will nudge with these uh, strange sensations or aches that all end up turning out to be nothing, but have been so concerning and, and scares the heck out of me. Like waves, this imbalance is kind of always moving and I'll be feeling completely okay in my head and then my body will be upset and suddenly it will seesaw and the upset in my body will will trigger the alarms in my head and then I'll start to worry and when I worry, my body starts to relax and entirely feel okay again. 
it's it's so strange and, and that's why i titled the song wave after wave because grief is obviously like a massive body of water that constantly pushes and pulls um but also because i feel that motion in these strange ways that i'm talking and writing about and again next episode i'll, I'll dig further into how this last year of my life has impacted my nervous system but I've just been kind of taking note of all of the ways that grief has surprised me. And in writing these songs and in even recording these podcasts, it gives me a place to put all of this. And um, I'm really, really grateful for that. Let's go ahead and shift gears and talk a little bit about the music. In the last episode, I mentioned that I have this approach to each of these mother songs as sort of with a, a broken wing of sorts not overthinking anything, just writing and recording in whatever condition feels right in that moment. And uh, the way that that rule applied to this song is in the production. I kind of just went exploring on this one, uh, no specific outcome in mind, just, just musically picking up different instruments and adding whatever I felt like adding. And this exploration is, of course, part of most of my production process and in most of my music, but usually there's there's a song there first, and that song has a specific shape in mind, and the exploration is in service to that shape. But for this one, the writing and the production were all at once, and the exploration was the primary focus. And I just really, really enjoyed that feeling of just experiencing the song rather than nudging it into a specific direction. And just keeping a really, really open mind throughout the the recording and the mixing of this song, I didn't over mix it. There's flaws. I, I, I listen to it now. I hear things that I would change and I somehow feel weirdly okay with that. Again, it's just kind of part of me feeling like these songs were needing to come out of me. By not overthinking it, by not over editing it, by not waiting for the conditions to be perfect to record or write or do any of these different parts of the process, these songs are able to capture exactly how I felt when I felt it. And um, I think that was essential for, for this collection of songs. Going back to the, the ship of Theseus idea, um, I wanted to try to figure out how to subtly nod to that in the, in the music too. So um, you'll hear similar passages throughout the song that keep evolving. So the first time you hear the piano and my vocal melody. What if is a of precious time. And later the same piano plays, and this time the, the vocal melody is replaced with the, a cello. And so I had a lot of fun kind of imagining each of these parts of the song as being uh, parts of the ship of Theseus. And so each part throughout the song is, is swapped out and uh, uh, becomes a different thing by the end of the song. Let's talk about the, the gorgeous strings that you hear throughout this song. They are performed by Sharon Gerber and Anya Gerber. And um, if you have listened to any of my podcasts or have followed any of my work, you will already be familiar with the, those names. They are so magnificent to work with, um, some of my favorite human beings ever, and I feel so privileged to get to keep making music with them. And I'm okay to keep saying that over and over and over because I really mean it. And and I'm so in love with the performances of this song. Um, I, I can listen to it over and over and notice little inflections and just detailing. I think that they just played so, so beautifully. And uh, yeah, can't thank them enough. Let's listen to a little bit of uh, their gorgeous work. Thank you. 
I cannot get over their performances. It's so, so insanely beautiful. There's one little moment. It's like this, uh, this transition melody in the violin. Let me show you the reference that I sent them to, uh, <laughs> to record that, that violin line. Um, I usually send them like fake strings, uh, synth strings, and they sound awful always. Uh, but every once in a while, there's like an idea that I have that um, I feel like I can only really like try to sing it for them. And then Sh Sharon will know exactly what to do. And, and although this is incredibly embarrassing to show you because it's super stupid sounding, um, I just want to highlight how <laughs> absolutely amazing Sharon and Anya are at their craft uh, to be able to take something like this and make it beautiful. So here's what I sent them to get that little violin transition trill. I immediately regret sharing that with you, um, but I really do want to point out how incredible they are because they were able to take my reference of that, that ridiculous mouth trumpet sounding thing and turn it into this gorgeousness. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Um, but that is my favorite moment of the song, so it felt like it was worth pointing out. Um, but I love that little, that violin trill. It's just so, so pretty. And hearing it all in context in the strings is so gorgeous. I feel like I may have told this story in an earlier podcast, or maybe I just told a friend and I can't tell the difference between those two things anymore. So if you've already heard me share this, feel free to roll your eyes and fast forward. Um, but last year, my, my family and I spent a little bit of time in London, one of our absolute favorite places. And it ended up being quite an unusual trip for us. My, my wife, Kate, uh, was extremely excited to experience some of the Queen's Jubilee exhibits that were happening around town. And so she booked us a walking tour in Buckingham Palace. And it was scheduled for the first day of our, of our visit. And um, while we were on that walking tour, the news was beginning to break that the Queen had passed away. It was very surreal, to say the least, to be in that place during such a significant moment. And it was surreal to be there while the entire country was was in mourning, uh, because part of the reason I wanted to, to travel a bunch last year was to sort of change my environment a bit. And as I processed the loss of my mom, so um, to end up spending two weeks in a place that was also experiencing great loss felt both difficult and kind of comforting. There were flowers everywhere for the queen, and I imagine them also being for my mom. And while we were there, my, my daughters loved the, the parks and the playgrounds. So we went to as many playgrounds as possible for them. And um, in many of the playgrounds, they had these, these um, panels on the floor where you could jump on them and they would make these bell tones. And so I recorded my girls jumping around on them. I believe this was St. James Park. And so I sampled it and play a melody with it um, throughout this song. So you'll hear those bells throughout the song, and uh, I just love knowing that a piece of that cathartic trip is, is a part of the song. One of my very closest friends, Jeremy Larson, started a company a little while ago called Teletone Audio. They make these absolutely incredible, beautiful virtual instruments. If you're a musician, go to Teletone and buy everything that they make. Truly, I'm, I'm not just saying that because I love Jeremy. They make 
incredible stuff. And um, I've been using so much of what they've put out in the in the past couple of years. And uh, in this song, I just wanted to highlight this one this one sound uh, that I just absolutely adore. And you can hear it in the context of the song a little bit, but it's um, I just wanted to show it off on its own. I just adore that sound. And uh, it felt in the context of this song, kind of like this pulling apart, uh, almost like the waves crashing into the ship. And I just like that it just has this kind of grit and, but it's also still beautiful. I also wanted to point out this background vocal, um, which you can hear in in the, the final bit of the song, if you listen closely. But the, the idea of this is to kind of simulate an alarm. Uh, as I mentioned before, the, the the what ifs in my life have been like this alarm system that's malfunctioned, and so I wanted to represent that in the, in the music somehow. And admittedly, that does sound a little bit ridiculous, but in the context of the songs, it has this kind of this tension that I appreciate uh, as the as the final like crescendo of the song happens. Um, when I record stuff like that, every once in a while, my daughters will will be around at the studio, and they will be just so confused. They'll be watching TV, and then they'll they'll pop pop down to the <laughs> where I'm recording, and they're just like they don't even ask a question. They just kind of pop down to make sure everything's okay, and uh, I can see it in their eyes. They're wondering why their dad is singing um, the highest note <laughs> he can sing as loudly as he can sing it on uh, a random Tuesday. As I mentioned in the last episode, um, all of these mother songs are going to include a little bit of my mom's voice. Um, again, kind of thinking of it as like her fingerprint in each of these songs. Uh, and in this song, I, I took audio from one of my absolute favorite memories with her and favorite videos with her and my daughter, Lily. I think Lily was maybe two years old, maybe a little younger, and we were in Hawaii for the first time with her. And Hawaii is this really meaningful place to to my mom, especially. But then she she definitely instilled this love of the islands uh, into me and my brother. And so Hawaii has been this really important place to to my family and I. And uh, it's actually where my wife and I got married. Um, was on the same beach, which is Waikiki Beach in Oahu. And uh, um, in this video, it's my daughter putting her feet into the ocean for the first time. And my mom's with her and she's playing with her. And it's such a short clip of audio, but it's, it's so special to me. So when I hear it, I, I, I can't help but tear up. In my mom's last week of life in the hospital, she expressed that she really wanted her ashes to be spread in the ocean, in Hawaii specifically. And um, my family and I actually, as of recording this, uh, in just a few days, we'll, we'll be leaving to go to Hawaii uh, at the anniversary of my mom's death um, to have that ceremony that she asked for. Um, so, so hearing this particular audio, and um, having this song come out uh, in this window of time is is really really special and significant to me personally. Um, uh, but it also brings with it so much hard and and hurt and and pain. 
in remembering that we don't have her here anymore. It's just I, like, I still, I know it's so cliche to even say out loud, but I like, I, I just, I can't really believe it. By the time this episode airs, the ceremony will have already happened. And I believe that there will be hope and beauty somehow in um, returning her to the place that she deeply, deeply loved. Uh, though I don't love the idea of ending this episode on, on such a sad note, but in keeping with the idea of these songs and in these episodes, I, I feel like that's where I am. I was trying to think of a brighter way to end it, and I think that that's not necessarily um, the most authentic version of how I feel right now. Uh, but I do feel a, a huge sense of gratitude and, and hope in getting to share all this stuff with you guys. It, even even me being able to end an episode of this podcast without without putting a nice um, exclamation point on it feels feels like a, a privilege. I, I get to be where I am, and I really really appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the song, and uh, for letting me share. I, I can't thank you enough. I so look forward to getting to talk to you um, very, very soon to introduce you to a song called Some Kind of Heaven. And uh, I hope that wherever you are, that you have a really beautiful rest of your day. And I so look forward to speaking to you soon.